Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Moosehead. NCAA. Hey, it's Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcott. Hey, it's Kale McCarve. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Roberg of the Team Sweden. It's Elliot Hall Lennon. Hey, it's Nikola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, Scott and Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zeri from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Brayden Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sounds. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. If you're a newcomer and this is your first uh, attempt at the Pipeline Show or your first listen, then uh, I really appreciate you stopping by. I'm intrigued in what led you to to download this week's episode and and give uh, the the Pipeline Show a, a listen. If you're a returning listener, then welcome back to the show, obviously, and I hope that you'll be back for more. And if you are a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show, then extra special thank you to you. And I hope that you're appreciating the early access you get to uh, all the interviews that uh, are heard here on a full episode of the pipeline show. You've been able to enjoy some of these for, well, one, two, usually three days in advance of an episode's uh, full release. And I give everybody a heads up on uh, the Patreon page of uh, the upcoming guests and give you a chance to submit questions for those guests. I know Gary was appreciative of that this week as he was looking forward to this week's show after I told him uh, what the plan was for the guest list. The Pipeline Show is uh, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is Alberta's best beef jerky. I would uh, go so far as it's the best beef jerky I've ever had. I'll just say that flat out. It's uh, fantastic. It is nice and uh, tender. It's not dry like the stuff you get at your local convenience store that has the little flavor, not the flavor insert, but the freshness packet that comes in the package so it doesn't go bad, so it lasts longer. Uh, it's not like that at all. This is nice and soft, and sh- but it's still got the, you know, it's it's chewy because it's beef jerky, uh, but it's it's fantastic. It's so, it is so fresh. You can only get it at their two Alberta locations, one in the Leduc, one in Spruce Grove. Uh, but if you are in Western Canada, you're obviously not going to drive to Edmonton from Manitoba just to get some beef jerky. But hey, I wouldn't blame you if you did. But you can uh, contact both locations or either one and have it shipped to you in Western Canada. So go to the website, it's wilhawkbeefjerky.com, and put in your order today. I threw a question of the day up on the uh, Twitter machine earlier today. It's a serious topic. The uh, The question of the day reads like this. Here's a hypothetical scenario. Let's say a talented 18-year-old draft-eligible player is convicted of a crime in Europe for non-consensual dissemination of sexual images. 
How would you feel about your NHL team drafting him? Or if you're an NHL team, do you even consider drafting him? If he's a really talented player, do you overlook things that he has done in his past? Can you afford to do that? And we've hearkened back to last year with the Mitchell Miller situation, the Arizona Coyotes deciding, yeah, we can still draft that guy. Uh, And uh, then the public outcry. And within, what, a month later, not only had the Coyotes dropped them, but so did North Dakota. Let's say that situation is uh, happening again here in the 2021 draft. And there's a player who, let's say he went over to Europe and while he was there, got into some legal trouble. That is the question of the day. You can let me know on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy and a couple of responses that have come in. Uh, Todd sent me the uh, gif of Danny DeVito shaking his head saying, nope, 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 as in he would like no part of that. Uh, Steve Clark, who has been on the show in the past as a broadcaster out of the Ontario Hockey League, he says, uh, given the Coyotes drafted and renounced the drafting of a player who had bullied someone in the recent past, I'd say it's best to stay away from drafting that person and track how he responds to the conviction. Steve alluding to the Mitchell Miller uh, situation from this time last year. Let's get to the CHL news in the NCAA notes, and uh, we can start in the queue as the finals in the queue are uh, starting to take shape. Valdor has uh, swept their way to the League Championship Series. They got through Bathurst three games to none in the opening round, then Ramuski three games to none, and uh, just swept aside the Shikudemi Saganin in the semifinal. So they are awaiting the winner between Charlottetown and Victoriaville. That series is knotted up one game apiece. Game three goes tonight, and game four is on Sunday. If there is a fifth and deciding game needed, that will be on Tuesday. So Valdor is going to get a bit of a break here as they wait to find out who they're going to play. Some news in the WHL this week as the Everett Silvertips have parted ways with uh, general manager Gary Davidson. The press release that was uh, sent out yesterday says they are not going to be extending its contract with uh, Gary Davidson, and that is effective immediately. So it doesn't sound like they're firing him. They're just not keeping him on after his current contract is done. He's been with the organization for nine years, and uh, they've obviously been a very competitive team the last number of years. Some speculation, and I don't know how accurate it is, but this might be a, a cost thing for Everett. Everybody right now is trying to, watch their expenses as much as possible because of uh, the last, you know, 14, 15 months of no income, basically. So that may have been a a cost-cutting measure by the Silver Tips. Uh, Closer to home here, the Edmonton Oil Kings announced uh, today that Brian Cheeseman, a longtime athletic therapist for the club, has uh, left the team as he has accepted a similar position with the Edmonton Eskimos, excuse me, the Edmonton football team out of the Canadian Football League. They're changing their name and haven't uh, chosen that new name just yet, so they're just going by the Edmonton Football Club right now. Uh, great for Cheese. I-, I was a little bit surprised because there's no official confirmation the C- CFL rather is actually playing this summer. Regardless, it sounds like uh, I think the target is for August. It- it- listen, it's a step up for the Cheese as he's now a professional athletic therapist, or at least he's in a professional league. But uh, his contribution to the Oil Kings, a terrific uh, record that he has. Uh, he's been a part of a couple WHL championships and uh, was with the team in 2014 when they won the Memorial Cup in London. And uh, for those who don't know, that was a monumental task there from the therapist uh, perspective because they had an extended marathon overtime game 
they had to get ready uh, for the final. The semifinal was the uh, uh, marathon victory against Valdor. At that time, was the longest game of Memorial Cup history. Then they had to get ready for the Guelph Storm uh, two days later. So the next day, it was like a triage unit. It looked like MASH, where guys were hooked up to IVs, and uh, they were wearing these big, fancy compression suits. I don't even know how to explain what it was. I think it was massaging their their uh, uh, limbs, especially their legs. But uh, anyway, Brian Cheeseman leaving the Edmonton Oil Kings for the Edmonton Football Club. The Red Deer Rebels with a uh, flurry of trade activity here over the last week as well. I'll pull up the transactions list in the WHL, and uh, they've been part of, I think there's been three trades so far uh, since the end of the regular season, and I believe the uh, Rebels have been involved in all three of them, yes. Uh, they traded the rights to Grayson Sachin, who was uh, their pick in the U.S. Prospects draft. In exchange for him, they get a second-round pick from the Seattle Thunderbirds. That's a conditional. Obviously, I would assume the condition is that Sachin reports to Seattle. The Rebels also trading defenseman Mason Ward to the Brandon Wheat Kings for goaltender Connor Unger. And then they traded uh, energy forward, power forward Jackson Weeb to the Edmonton Oil Kings for uh, overage player Liam Keeler. So Keeler... Uh, goes from Edmonton to Red Deer. And from an Oil King perspective, that frees up an overage uh, position, or at least I thought it did. And the reason I say that is because the uh, the rosters for the Oil Kings, the three 20-year-olds for next year, looked like it was going to be Keeler as well as uh, Josh Williams and Carter Such. But with Keeler gone, that also opens the door for defenseman Simon Kubacek, who they had acquired via trade from Seattle uh, before the start of this past season, back last fall. Uh, but he had opted to stay back in the Czech Republic and uh, played a year of, of pro hockey. Uh, I am told by GM Kurt Hill that he will be in Edmonton for next season. So your three overagers in Edmonton will be Kubacek with Josh Williams and Carter Such. South of the border, the USHL Clark Cup Final. Game three goes tonight. Game four also this weekend. Now the scene is in Fargo, North Dakota, with the series between Fargo and the Chicago Steel knotted up at one. And interesting, Matt Coronado was on the show last week. He leads the USHL playoffs with 10 points. And at Tristan Bros, who, spoiler alert, he's on the show this week, nine points. They are the top two point getters, both of them draft eligible this year. And speaking of the guest list, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The uh, location is in Red Deer. They've got the tap room. It's open. You can go in and uh, try beverages on tap that you can't get uh, from their uh, home delivery service or at your local Alberta liquor store. But as I mentioned, the home delivery, you can get that delivery if you live between Calgary and St. Albert, including Edmonton and Sherwood Park and Red Deer and all the towns in between. You can get that home delivery on in the same day. For absolutely free as long as when you order online at troubledmonk.com shop you remember to include promo code pipeline free delivery just for doing that and uh, that reminds me i'm getting to the end of my uh, last uh, supply shipment so i'll be uh, putting in my order here fairly soon for some more troubled monk the guest list this week uh, full slate of guests last week it was a shorter show this week i do have four guests for you and we will start with uh, Tristan Bros of the Fargo Force. That will be a 2021 Draft Spotlight segment. Quite enjoyed that conversation. And we go from that one to another Draft Spotlight segment with Logan Stankoven of the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, these are two guys that getting a lot of buzz. I think everybody has Logan Stankoven as a first-round pick. 
more people are starting to come around on bros and putting them up there as well. From those two conversations, we'll go to Daryl Wolski, who is a family advisor for 2112 Hockey, as well as College Hockey Family Advisor. And we're going to talk about the upcoming USHL and the NAHL draft. He's also going to educate me about a uh, another league that is uh, quickly becoming a primary feeder to the NCAA. He's based out of Winnipeg, and he deals with the players on both sides of the border, and in fact, around the world. Uh, so we pick his brain about uh, the various paths to the NCAA. And we will close out this week's episode with a conversation with Mitch Brown, who is uh, the North American head scout for Elite Prospects. Uh, a very enjoyable conversation I had with him very recently about uh, six or seven players eligible for the 2021 draft. A couple of them are guests this week with uh, Tristan Bros and Logan Stankoven. I asked Mitch about those players, some other guys that were at the World U18, and a couple of guys who weren't as well. So lots to talk about with Mitch Brown, and he does a terrific job. It's his debut here on the Pipeline Show. But let's get right to it, and we'll kick things off with that conversation with Tristan Bros of the Fargo Force as we turn on the 2021 Draft Spotlight. That's up first here on the Pipeline Show, powered by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Brock Besser from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Hey, it's Kyle Connor from the Youngstown Fans. I'm Mr. Gergensen from Dubuque Flying Saints. Hi, it's Ali Tolvin from Sioux City Musketeers. Hi, this is Ryan Patolny, former player with the Lincoln Stars. This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the Chicago Steel. Hey, this is Sam Gagne, formerly the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm. Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Curry from the Waterloo Blackhawks. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. There's no time for mistakes, cause it's slipping away. Even though it might be easier, I won't give in now. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Let's begin this week's episode with a 2021 draft spotlight segment where we'll get to know another player who is eligible for the upcoming draft. Reminder, the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. We'll head back to the Troubled Monk hotline to speak with a player that uh, he's one of the very few that are actually still actively playing right now as uh, most leagues have wrapped up for the year well the ushl is doing that this weekend as well my next guest 
involved in that series. Let's get to know Tristan Bros of the Fargo Force. Uh, Tristan, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you making the time, and I know it's an awfully busy time for you. As you and your club, the Fargo Force, are in the middle of the Clark Cup final in the USHL against the Chicago Steel, and as as you and I are speaking right now, the series is tied 1-1, but the scene has now shifted back to Fargo for this weekend, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we uh we did a good job out in Chicago last weekend, got a nice split and now we got uh home ice this next weekend, so yeah, we're we're excited. Should be a good crowd at Shields on Friday and Saturday, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe you and Chicago played each other at all this year, is that correct? No. We we only played teams in our conference this year. Just with COVID and uh the scheduling, right. like they, they wanted us to limit the travel so we haven't seen we haven't seen them all year well that's got to be interesting when you're trying to game plan then for the other team when you haven't seen them all year how does coach Lamaru put that together is it you know a lot of video work or is it mostly about let's ex- execute our game and if we do it well then everything will take care of itself yeah um i mean it's a little bit of both i think uh we we use a lot of video like we haven't been able to play them but we we kind of are able to see how they play um, which is obviously a really skilled game, and then uh, a lot, a lot of it too, is just you know playing our game and uh, sticking to what's brought us success and got us to the finals. You know, so it's been a little bit of both. Now going back home, I don't know if fans are allowed in. I know up here, uh, no fans in our sporting events just yet, but I know south of the border it's a little differently. We see it with the NHL, yeah. but uh, will fans be allowed in in Fargo this weekend? Yeah, we we should have a pretty uh, pretty big crowd um this weekend at shield they uh they've taken back some of the restrictions here fortunately and uh we we should be able to have some fans i think this weekend what sort of a difference will that make for you guys on the ice i don't know if in some of the the games you played in earlier this year if there were maybe in front of no fans were they piping in sound or anything like that what sort of an impact does it make for you guys um no not 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 too much at at our level but um yeah, the fans have been huge. Obviously, we got Fargo is definitely a pretty big hockey community. Not as not a lot of people would uh, would know that, but it's like I think my my Bill family is telling me they're top five in youth hockey population and in the U.S. So there's a lot of a lot of hockey fans here. So and it it definitely sparks our team and gives us energy out on the ice when we got we got a full full crowd rocking there. Well, North Dakota, Minnesota, those are hockey-mad states. Yeah. You know we call Minnesota just southern Manitoba, right? Oh, is that right? I mean, that's that's a good that's a good comparison. Well, let's be honest. There's not a lot of difference between Manitoba and Minnesota, is there? No, there's not. Tristan Bros of the Fargo Force is my guest, and he's draft eligible, which makes this a 2021 draft spotlight segment. And Tristan, what we like to do in this part of the show is let our audience get to know somebody who's in your shoes, being that it's your NHL draft season. And there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans hearing this. Their favorite team might happen to draft you, but because they don't watch junior hockey or college hockey, they might not know anything about you. So let's get a bit of background, go back to the start. Uh, Tell me, where are you from? Um, I'm from Bloomington, Minnesota. So it's a little suburb of Minneapolis. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Um, I think the first time I ever started like skating and learning hockey was when I was probably about two, but probably didn't play organized hockey till I was around five or six. That's a pretty classic uh, hockey story starting at a young age. And as yeah. we know, Minnesota is a hockey mad state. So yeah, 
no, I, I fell in love with hockey pretty early. So was there anyone in particular though that uh, got you interested in playing? A family member or just uh, that's what you do in Minnesota? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, definitely my dad um, really got me into hockey. Um, he would, you know, lug me around. I, I would, I didn't know how to skate when I was that young, and just pull me around on a sled. I remember until finally, like I, I just wanted to learn how to skate, and you know, he's always been there. For me, throughout my youth career, he's been my coach for a lot of years and been a mentor to me. So my my dad definitely got me into hockey a lot. And then, yeah, it's, it's also just such such a culture thing in Minnesota that, you know, every, every one of my friends is playing hockey. Going to play hockey, too. And you're a forward now. Yeah. Have you always been a forward? Um, I, I, I think I played defense like one year when I was like nine or ten, but no, I've been forward most of my life did you ever have to take your turn in net put on the pads um one game actually it's a pretty funny story like i had a four-on-four league that we did and i was like 11 or 12 and our team didn't have a goalie so everybody would rotate and everybody got one turn and my only game i ever got in goalie i let up 20 goals <laughs> i got i got lit up so wow. it wasn't for me sunburn on the back of your net from the red light going on oh I, I don't even know if they had a red light at that level, but I, I remember in warmups every shot went in, like everyone. I didn't I didn't know how to save it, like I didn't know the technique, so I, I knew goalie wasn't for me. Well, forward seems to be uh, working out pretty well for you. Uh, you played two years at uh, at high school with uh, for Blake. Your last season there, fifty six points in twenty five games. That decision then to leave for the USHL that could be a tough one, uh, especially for the the high school guys in Minnesota. Was it an easy or was that a difficult choice for you as well? Yeah, it was It was a tough choice for me. I mean, not a lot of Minnesota kids elect to make that decision. But um, for me, like, I, I loved all the guys at my uh, at the high school I went to. They're all still my buddies now. And, like, it was a really tough decision to walk away from them. But, you know, ultimately I wanted to do what was best for my hockey career and, you know, what was best to help myself try to get to the next level. Well, 35 uh, points, 14 goals in 48 games that year, uh, your rookie season in Fargo. This year, you've bumped that up a bunch. 19 goals, 51 points in 54 games. So just shy of uh, being a point-per-game guy this year. Uh, how would you describe your sort of your development, your evolution as a player uh, with Fargo here over the last couple of years? Um, I feel like I've done a lot of maturing, like especially last year. That was, that was kind of a big... Um, you know, a thing that my coach, Pierre Paul Emery, talked to me about about coming for the full year was coming a year before my draft year, I'd get that added year of development, you know, get familiar with the league so that this year when I'm coming through it, and it is my draft year, I, I kind of know what to expect a little bit. I've played in all these ranks, you know, know, know the ropes a little bit. So I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is I've grown a lot and I've uh, matured physically a lot in the last couple of years. And that's kind of allowed me to use my skill more out there. The sheet that I'm looking at, Tristan says six feet tall and 179 pounds, but that might be uh, really out of date. What are you at right now? Um, no, I'm I'm still about that, like six foot, six and a half. Sorry, not six and a half feet, six foot and like half inch, um, about 180 pounds. But I mean, I think coming into my ninth grade year, like ninth tenth grade year, I was like five 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 six. So I, was, I had a pretty big growth spurt, like 10th grade. And again, the sheet that I'm looking at just lists you as a forward, so it doesn't tell me if you play all three positions or, you know, what's the situation there? Are you lining up 
anywhere, or do you play one position more than the others? Um, yeah, I mean, I played center a lot of my life growing up. I've been playing wing up here in Fargo, um, but I, I can really play wherever. This year with the 19 goals and a 32 assists for that 51 points, do you see yourself more as a shooter, or are you are you more of the setup guy? How do you, maybe how do you describe yourself as a player? Um, I, I would say I like to do a little bit both. Definitely, I like to set up my teammates and you know create space for them out there. But I think I got a pretty good shot myself. I I definitely don't use it enough. I, I like to pass a little bit too much sometimes, but. Um, I think, I think I like to do both play, make, and then, you know, create, create for myself too out there just with, um, you know, skating and then, uh, puck handling and, and passing. I can't help but notice uh, 54 penalty minutes in 54 games as well this year. So is there a physical side to your game? Uh, you play with a bit of an edge? Um, a little bit. I mean, um, definitely we had a couple scrums this year that might've boosted my numbers a little bit. Um, we had, we had one actually this last two weekends ago in the Western conference finals that kind of, we had a big fight that blew up against Sioux city. So I don't know. It was more a couple of just misconducts to be honest with you. Boosted my numbers on the penalty minute stats. I was going to ask you about that dust up in the playoffs here against uh, Sioux city. Uh, what was your role in that, uh, that entire scenario? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was the Western Conference Finals first game, so, you know, obviously emotions and the intensity is going to be really high. Um, and I think it started, I don't really remember how it started. I think one of their guys, it was an offside, and one of their guys, like, kind of kind of charged their goalie a little bit. And um, from there, it just took off. Like, all five of their guys came in. And, I don't know. It was kind of just chaos from there. It was trying to, you know, roam around, make sure any of my teammates weren't getting, like, double team in that I think at one point our goalie had like two guys on him so I went got a guy off our goalie and I, don't know, I was kind of patrolling the scrum in that but uh, that was just one of those moments where you know emotions get so high in playoffs that uh, boils over into that but sounds like old-time hockey uh you mentioned yeah. your head coach Pierre Lamaru. we knew him up here from his uh, time in junior hockey when he played in the Western Hockey League with the yeah. Red Deer Rebels as a coach, how has he helped you become a better player? Yeah, I mean, just over the last few years, I've been able to, you know, be at the rink every day with him. And most days he's got well, at least one or two things that, you know, we're working on and that's new or that's different or that he's challenging me to do. Um, he definitely likes to show a lot of video and, like, he'll show a lot of video just with me, um, just different scenarios to help me better my game and, I don't know. I, I would just say overall, he's just helped me really mature as a player and uh, find find a lot of consistency in my game. Has he ever taught you and your teammates how to accurately throw a helmet at an opposing player? Has he ever told you that story? Uh, no, no, I don't think I've heard that one. What at, did, did he do that? Well, that might be a something that you and your teammates can uh, ask coach about uh, one day after practice oh. or something like that. Uh, get him to tell you the story. He, th- he threw his helmet at a guy in the scrum? Yeah, he was a member of the uh, Red Deer Rebels. He was playing for Brent Sutter uh, back in his junior days. And yeah. uh, it was a playoff game between the Rebels and the Swift Current Broncos. And there was an incident on the ice. Something There was some history between the two teams. And it kind of boiled over in the playoffs. And it was a, I think it was a lopsided game. Anyway, it broke out onto the ice, and they ended up uh, being escorted to the penalty bench. And at that point, 
some of the uh, the Broncos players were throwing stuff at him. Oh. He caught a helmet and uh, whipped it back at the guy and and apparently domed him with it. Um, but yeah, he, he connected so, with it. That's a uh, I'll have to ask him about that one tomorrow at practice. Oh, that's awesome. Tristan, uh, how much has the draft been on your mind uh, this year? Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I've kind of had an approach of trying to keep it, you know, a little bit in the background just with our, our season and everything we got going on. You know, obviously, like, you think about it and you're hearing about it. But for me, like, I've just been trying to focus on the day-to-day, like, getting ready for each weekend of games and um, just trying to help our team win. But I, I'd be lying to you. It's definitely, it's definitely on the back of my mind a little bit, knowing it's coming up in the summer. You think it's more after the playoffs are done, and that could be as soon as this weekend. But, uh, you know, is that stuff after the playoffs when you can start to focus more on the draft and start talking to NHL teams? Or have they been calling throughout the season? How does that work? Yeah, I mean – I've I've been talking to them throughout the season, um, just different ones. Like usually, just you know, today in today's world with COVID, just over Zoom or like a phone call. Like usually, just want you know them wanting to know, you know, about yourself and about your family, and you know, get to talk to you a little bit. But um, yeah, I think definitely after the season ends, it'll it'll probably become a little bit more uh, on the front of my mind. But I don't know, can't. Try not to think about it too much here now. Being a Minnesota guy, did that mean that the uh, the Wild were your team growing up, or were you cheering for somebody else? Yeah, I've always liked the Wild. Um, I've always just been a big like hockey fan, and kind of I don't know. I, I wouldn't call myself a hockey nerd, but like I don't know, I've always just more liked to watch like just different guys, and like pretty much every team has you know a couple of just really unreal guys to watch. So. I don't know. I've just been more of a fan of good hockey than any any particular team. Well, and your college destination of choice is at the University of Minnesota, so you'll get to play close to home in front of friends and family. Uh, why the Golden Gophers, though, in particular? I think there's seven, I guess eight now, Division One schools, if you include uh, St. Thomas and the Tommies. Yeah. Why joining the Golden Gophers? Why was that the right fit for you? Yeah, I think you kind of you kind of said it already, just being able to play in front of my my family friends too but you know my my parents and my grandparents have all done so much like in my hockey career whether supporting me financially or just being at you know they've been at every playoff game that we've had so far this year whether that's in Kearney Nebraska or Sioux City Iowa or you know Chicago Illinois they've been there to watch and support so I think uh, it'll be nice next year to bring it back home and they can just get season tickets take a 10-minute drive come see all my games so that's that's probably the biggest reason being able to be in front of family oh that's fantastic it's great that you have that much family support that they're able to uh, come and watch all your road games like that uh, and yeah. make sure you get to save them uh, a bunch of gas money yeah no like i said they're terrific i couldn't thank them enough for everything they've done for me well tristan listen i uh, i really appreciate your time i enjoyed this conversation a lot uh, best of luck this weekend i know you and uh the Fargo Force looking for two more wins to claim the Clark Cup yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Uh, best of luck with that. And with uh, whatever happens at the draft, I hope we can get a chance to chat again one day. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Hey, there's Tristan Bros of the uh, Fargo Force. And I did confirm with him that it is bros and not bras. He says he gets it all the time. But it's bros like me and the bros, he said. So uh, we'll go with that. Uh, and uh, that story about uh, Coach Pierre Lamoureux, uh, true. 
and he confirmed it with me uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. So uh, I actually got the original story, kind of, uh, from Cam Moon, the uh, former voice of the Red Deer Rebels, that told me to ask uh, Pierre about that the next time he's on the show, and I thought I would ask him about that uh, yesterday while I was uh, chatting with him and setting up the interview. Uh, but the uh, Fargo Force looking really good. They uh, took game one, 3 nothing shutout, and then the Chicago Steel, who you know they were going to come back hard with a, a game two effort and were able to even the series. But now it goes back to Fargo. And things get really interesting now. Uh, the uh, the Force have a chance to claim the Clark Cup this weekend if they can win games three and four. All right, next we'll keep the 2021 draft spotlight on as we head back to the Troubled Monk hotline. This time... A guy everybody expects to go in the first round. Placed for the Kamloops Blazers. We just saw him representing Canada at the World U18 Championship. That's Logan Stankoven. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center, ducks around Leeson, in over the line on the wing, trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front, shoots and scores! Ah, oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harris Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc! And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Doc of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I'm telling you, that dude just gives me the heebie of a jeebie. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show, and let's continue on with another 2021 Draft Spotlight segment. We'll get to know another player who is eligible uh, for the upcoming NHL Draft this July. And uh, my next guest, well, his season is uh, now officially uh, come to a close. Of course, he didn't finish the year in the WHL because he was off to Texas to play in the World U18 Championship with Team Canada and had a great event there after a really strong start to the WHL season. I'm speaking with uh, Logan Stankoven from the Kamloops Blazers. Logan, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you very much for having me on, Guy. Great to uh, get a chance to speak with you. I you know, I wasn't sure how busy a guy like you would be at this time of year. I've, I've heard from some other players or teams that they're giving guys a break. There's lots of NHL teams now calling and stuff. Uh, what's your schedule like these days? Yeah, no, it's uh, pretty consistent with what you just said. Um, you know, it's, you know, it wasn't a long season in terms of, you know, playing lots of games, but uh, I, I tried to take advantage of the extended off season and I was in the gym lots and on the ice. So, um, you know, after, you know, I got back from the U18s, it was just more of a, you know, I've just been relaxing for you know, the last little week and a bit here and, um, you know, just take some time off, time off the ice and away from the gym. So, 
um, you know, lots of playoff hockey on and I've been busy watching that and, uh, uh, doing some of my schoolwork as well. So, um, yeah, besides that, just a couple, uh, NHL, uh, questionnaires and stuff like that, but that's about it. Lots of zoom calls with teams, things like that too. Yeah. Yeah. They're starting to pick up, uh, this week, especially. So I've got a few coming up this week. I've heard lots of rumors about some sort of showcase event that, you know, in lieu of having the CHL top prospect game, for instance, maybe they'll try to do something before the draft. Are you hearing anything like that? Yeah, I've heard a, a little bit about that. Um, obviously, nothing, nothing's confirmed yet, but yeah. uh, just from, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, you know, hearing the hockey talk that that might be going on in, in Edmonton or in, in Western Canada somewhere. So, um you know, I haven't really heard too much of what's going on, but, uh, you know, maybe there's something, you know, happening with, with the WHL, OHL, and the QMJHL, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll have to wait wait and see what uh, what happens. Yeah, fingers crossed. That would be nice uh, to have something like that uh, before the draft, for sure. Uh, all right, let's uh, recap w- what we saw this year. You only got to play six games with the Blazers, but, heck, you had 10 points, so seems like you're picking up right where you left off last year. The, the last you know, 14 months before the puck finally dropped uh, for the BC division. That must've been a really long uh, period of time. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a pretty long time. And, um, you know, I think a little bit frustrating, um, for sure. Uh, you know, when, you know, when I'm sitting at home and, and seeing that, you know, the European leagues are playing and, and leagues down in the U S are, are starting same with the QMJHL was playing there for a while. Um, you know, and, and us in the OHL being, two of the only leagues that haven't started up yet. It was pretty tough to watch at times. And uh, I think it just adds more stress being, you know, being the draft year for me and the other draft eligible players. So, um, you know, once we found out that we were going to be having, you know, some sort of a season, um, you know, I was really excited and, and pretty, uh, pretty hyped to get, get back playing and, uh, you know, do, do the thing we love to, to do. So, um, you know, I was pretty happy about that. And, and the way that it was broken up so that each province basically was a division uh, to for each division and everybody started at a different time and the bc division was the last one to get going so here you're you know you're talking about watching all these other leagues play well you're watching three whl le- divisions playing and you guys are five teams are just sitting there chomping at the bit yeah no exactly um i remember uh i believe it was the the alberta division was the first uh first division yep. to get going there so um you know i i have a few buddies that uh play out in Calgary and uh on Edmonton too so uh I was watching lots of those games and uh I think it was the next weekend after it was the Regina bubble that started up and then uh the U.S. division so you know uh, that kept me busy uh you know I had the chance to watch all those games on the CHL live TV there so uh you know that was good to see but it wasn't the same without us playing so it was nice to get back at it well you had 10 points in the six games that you got into before you left for Texas so uh... What, what did that little short stint with the Blazers this spring uh, do for you? Uh, you know, how did you feel about the way you played and did you get what you hoped you would get out of it? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, like you said, it was only a handful of games. So, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a long time spent with, with my club team, but uh, I think it was just more of a, an advanced role for me, um, you know, being my second year in the league. And I think I took on more of a leadership role as well. Uh, I think we had one of the more, younger teams in our division there. So, uh, you know, we had a, we had a young team, but, uh, you know, we've lots of good prospects coming up. So I'm excited to, you know, for what's to come in the future and, uh, I'm just looking forward to it. 
And then you got the chance to go play for Canada again in Texas. Uh, and I have to assume that was just an awesome experience to not just to get together with some of the other guys, but to play an international tournament, some high caliber hockey in front of some fans uh, at that. Uh, and, and then to come home with the hardware. That's awesome. Yeah, honestly, it was one of the coolest experiences for me personally. Um, you know, it's obviously an honor to, to wear the Maple Leaf. Um, for me, it was my second time. Um, but it was just really cool to to get to know some of the guys. They're all great guys and, and great players, obviously. So, um, you know, to to finally be on be on the same team with some of those, you know, superstars um, from, you know, the other players from the Dub and, and the OHL there. So, um, you know, instead of playing against them, being on the same team and winning winning a gold medal together was was uh, you know was an awesome experience overall. Logan Stankoven from the Camus Blazers is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, this part of the show, Logan, what we like to do is let the audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible like you are. And segments like this will get listened to by a lot of casual NHL fans who might not pay any attention to the WHL. So for the benefit of fans like that who maybe have, they've never heard of you, but suddenly their favorite NHL team drafts you, uh, let's get some background. Where are you from? Um, I'm born and raised in Cowles, BC. Nice that you get to uh, play for your hometown team. Yeah, no, I'm very, very thankful and fortunate for that. Um, you know, it's always nice to play hockey in your, uh, you know, in your hometown. And, um, you know, I get, get to sleep in my own bed and get home-cooked meals. So um, <laughs> I'm very lucky that way. Uh, how old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I believe I was three when I started skating and then five when, you know, I started playing organized hockey. The, the Bantam draft uh, for you... Uh, you didn't have to wait long on draft date. Now, I, I've talked to a number of players uh, from the Bantam draft. Some guys were in Philadelphia at a tournament. I don't know if you were one of them. Other guys were at school. What was draft day like for you? Yeah, no, I was in uh, Philly as well. Uh, okay. Some of the other draft eligible guys that year. Um, uh, yeah, I was at the, I think it was the World Selects Invitational. Um, I was with uh, the Pacific Selects team, but uh I remember um, it was it was that morning we were playing uh, a team from Sweden and uh, I think the draft was going on during the third period of of uh, the game against Sweden. So uh, once we all got unchanged and got off the ice, we all kind of uh, tried to rush out of the rink and and we went and saw our parents and they kind of broke the news to us. So uh, once I found out, um, you know, I was drafted by the Blazers. I was you know over the top excited. Um, you know, I've grown up watching them since I've been a kid. So. To finally put on the Blazers sweater and to be part of the organization was was an awesome feeling that day. When you're drafted that high, though, there's got to be some pressure that goes along with that. That you know, pressure from the organization. Hey, we used a, a high pick on you, and fan base obviously is expecting you to be a difference maker. Uh, fair to say, though, you probably put more pressure on yourself than anybody uh, puts on you. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, just being. You know, a hometown kid just adds to the pressure as well. Right. Um, I think a lot of friends and family, um, you know, myself included, I, you know, I expect a lot out of myself. And, um, you know, I want to help help the organization and, and bring success as much as possible. But, um, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, there's a little bit added pressure. But, you know, I think I've just enjoyed the whole experience. And, uh, you know, it's been great so far. Well, 48 points in your rookie season, 29 goals. That's a, a heck of an offensive start to your WHL career. Are you a guy that sets like statistical goals at the start of the year? I, and if you are, I'd, I'd have to think you surpassed them last year. No, I honestly didn't set set any statist, uh, statistics at all. Um, you know, just with me being my rookie year, um, you know, you never know what to expect and what role you're put in. So mm. I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself. Um, so I, I didn't really, you know, set any, uh, you know, high goals or, 
or uh, point totals for myself, but, um, you know, to put up as many goals as I did, you know, I had some great linemates to play with and, uh, you know, it was a fun season overall. In a normal year, your draft season would, your NHL draft season, it would start like back in August. You'd, you'd get to play in the Ivan Holinka tournament and uh, you were robbed of all of that this year and the lengthy WHL season really cut short for you. You do get the U18s, but over the course of the last, say, year, how much has this, uh, the 2021 draft been in your mind? Uh, quite a bit, I think, just with, you know, having so much time to, to think about things and, uh, you know, we didn't have many games to play. So I think over the, over last summer and uh, going into this fall and over, over the winter there um, before our season started, I think it gave me lots of time to, to think about things, but at the same time, um, you know, I tried to use that as motivation to, mm. to get better uh, in the gym and on the ice and, and use that extra practice time and, and use it to my advantage. So I think that was really important for me. I know I ask a lot of the players that come on the show whether they, they look at rankings and things, and, and most players say they don't because they, they think it could be a distraction, but other guys do say they they want to see who has them ranked where, and they use that as motivation. What about for you, Logan? Yeah, I think that's a big thing for me. Um, yeah, at the same time, you don't want to you know really pay too much attention to the rankings because you know, everybody has different thoughts and opinions on, on the way you play the game, but... Um, like you said, you just use that as motivation. And, um, you know, I think that's something that I've used this season um, just to kind of push me to, to that next level. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just been, it's been good so far. Well, I haven't seen a ranking that doesn't have you inside the first round for, uh, for this July. So that's got to be flattering. Um, but does it matter to you where in the first round uh, you're taking? You know, top 10 would be great. Top 20, top 30. Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter at all. Uh, you know, I think it's just a privilege to be drafted to any team. Um, you know, not many kids get that opportunity. So, um, you know, I'm just going to be grateful for whatever team, you know, ends up picking me. And, um, you know, if it's in the first round, if it's in the second round, uh, third round, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to make that team that you're drafted to. So uh, looking back on things, you can't really focus too much on the draft. But, um, you know, you, you still want to make that team at the end of the day and there's still work to be put in. Absolutely, I like that answer. Um, at the uh, at the U18s, obviously you're one of the uh, the more offensive guys for Canada. There had eight points in the tournament. Uh, seems like you know everybody puts out their list of who stood out and and uh, who had a good tournament. You're always on the list uh, of guys who showed up and played really well. I mean that's it, an opportunity for the scouts to sort of compare you to everybody else that's draft eligible. But I imagine you do some of that as well. How do you think you played? Um, I thought I had, I started off really well. Um... You know, I thought my first few games were, were really good. And, um, you know, our, our team was obviously unbelievable. And going into the tournament, I didn't, didn't really know what to expect in terms of what role I was going to be playing. But, um, right. you know, I was, I was lucky to, to get some power play time and even some penalty kill time. So, um, you know, that was pretty cool. And then, um, you know, I think our team just kind of, you know, uh, you know, picked up some momentum as the tournament went on. And obviously we put up lots of goals. It just went to show, you know, how deep our forward group was. But, um, you know, I thought overall I had, a, I had a good tournament. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that I left everything out on the ice. Um, because, like you said before, I only had a handful of games in, in the WHL and only about seven or eight with uh, the U18 uh, tournament there. So, um, you know, I wanted to do everything possible to to show everyone watching, you know, what type of player I am. Interesting that this year and last year, about two-thirds of your points were goals. Um, so, you know, you just looking at a stats line, the image I would get of you or the, my expectation would be you're a goal scorer, but do you think your playmaking might be a little underappreciated? Yeah, I think so. 
Um, I think I'm still able to make plays as much as I love scoring goals. Um, you know, making that making that nice play or uh, you know being a playmaker out there is important. So I think make, being able to to uh, you know have high hockey IQ and hockey vision and uh, to make things happen out there is important. Um, you know, because as much as you love scoring goals, you need to make that you know that simple pass or that uh, you know it's a two on one. If that guy's open, you you got to have that hockey vision to to find them. So I think that's just as important as, you know, scoring goals. It's funny because some guys will say their, their coach asks them to be more selfish and shoot the puck more. You're a guy who scores a lot. I, I, I find it hard to believe that coach Clouston would, would ask you to pass the puck more when you're scoring like you, like you can, but do you ever hear that? Like, not that you're a puck hog or something like that, but do you ever get told to, to spread the offense around or, or move the puck more than just shoot it all the time? Uh, no, I haven't heard that too much, honestly. Um, I've, I've I have heard it once recently. I was I was doing a uh, an interview with an N- uh, an interview with an NHL team, and one of the scouts I was talking to, I, he kind of you know I kind of asked him you know what things do you think you know I can work on uh, personally, and uh, he told me that I could move the puck more. So oh, really? um, I'm not gonna name not gonna name who it was, but um, <laughs> yeah, he told me I could use my teammates more, and I need to move the puck. So um but besides that no i haven't really heard it too much well uh, to me the hardest thing to do is to put the puck in the net you can do that um i'd i'd want you to keep shooting if i was your coach but that's me i'm just a, a host of a show all right you being a bc guy Kamloops, uh, were the canucks your team growing up or were you cheering for somebody else yeah i always loved watching the canucks but um i've always be, always been a big a big habs fan and watching montreal has been a big part of my life um, you know, my dad's always been a big Montreal fan growing up, so I was kind of born into it. And um, you know, back in back in the Mike Camilleri days, and um, right. you know, when Brian Gianta played and Thomas Plekanec, so um, you know, hopefully they can uh, beat the Leafs in the first round of playoffs here. That'd be nice to see. Well, what are the uh, c- common thread there between all those players you just mentioned? None of them are like six foot two and two hundred and fifteen pounds. And I'm sure uh, I haven't mentioned size with you once this entire interview. But I have to think you get asked about it all the time. What do you tell people when when they say or comment about you you being what five? What are you five nine, five ten? Uh, I'm only five eight, so okay. uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest biggest guy out there. But um, I don't really try and let that uh, you know deter me from from my goals and uh, you know where I want to be in life. So um, it doesn't matter how big you are; it's it's, uh, it's the size of the heart that you have and, and the love for the game. So. Um, you know, I've never really let that bother me and, and, uh, you know, I'm, con- I'm going to continue to, to, you know, persevere through that. Awesome stuff. Logan, I really appreciate your time. Uh, let you get back to watching some NHL playoff games and, uh, hopefully we can chat again down the road. Thanks for doing this. Definitely. Thanks, Keith. That was Logan Stankoven from the Kamloops Blazers. And, uh, we were joking at the start of that about, uh, how, how we, get our names mispronounced because I said, hey, my name's Guy, like Guy Lafleur. He said, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was Guy or Guy. And I asked him, you know, I've heard your name said a few different ways, Stankoven, which is what it is, uh, but I've heard it, you know, pronounced differently. And he, he said there was, somebody had uh, mispronounced it as Stank Oven. And I was like, man, wouldn't that just be terrible if that was actually how it was pronounced? Logan Stank Oven. Uh, but thankfully it's not. Although he said his nickname is uh, Stank or Stanks, or Stanky, you can get away with that. Anyway, he can get away with a lot because he is a heck of a player. What an offensive talent. It seems to me, you know, uh, not the biggest guy in the world, obviously. That's going to be something that people look at and criticize. But 
uh, you know, I think uh, is it maybe he's this year's Cole Caulfield. You know, a couple of years ago, there's a guy who lasts till about the 17th pick, I think it was, something like that, uh, before he snapped up by Montreal, and now he's the talk of the town. Maybe that's what we'll see in, in a couple of years with uh, Logan Stankoven or Stankoven. But uh, somewhat of a draft day wildcard because the, the offensive potential and uh, already what he's uh, accomplished, the, the, the resume, you, you could make a pretty good argument for a top 10 pick. But then that 5-8 measuring tape, there will be teams that don't take a chance on him. So eh, it's a bit of a draft day wildcard. I'll be looking forward to seeing uh, where he's selected and who selects him. Next up on the uh, Pipeline Show, we're going to uh, learn a little bit. I'm certainly going to learn something as uh, my guest. His name is Daryl Wolski, and he is an agent with CHFA. That would be the College Hockey Family Advisor. And Daryl is going to talk to us about, uh, well, next week the USHL draft is on. The uh, couple of weeks after is the NHL draft. Uh, but there is also a league called the NCDC, which I know nothing about. But it's become a growing NCAA scholarship uh, league as well, sending players off to college hockey. So we'll talk to him about that. And uh, we'll learn something together. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's John Farinacci from the Dexter Southfield School, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. They used to tell me, boy, you ain't going nowhere. With your cheap guitar and your big long hair. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show. You have my curiosity. With Gee Flaming. Now you have my attention. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show, and uh, time to get a little education, as uh, my next guest is going to tell me all about some leagues. Well, I know a couple of the leagues pretty well. Uh, one league I don't know anything about, so I'm going to learn something in this segment, and I hope that you, the listener, does as well. This is also going to be our NCAA Campus Report segment. If you are a, a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your college eligibility, uh, College Hockey Inc. is a great resource for that. You can get in touch with Mike Snee or Nate Ewell. And they can answer any of the questions that you might have. Uh, and my next guest is going to deal with a lot of players uh, that are in that same situation. Uh, Daryl Wolski, who is a uh, player uh, advisor for uh, CHFA. That would be College Hockey Family Advisor, and as well as uh, 2112 Hockey. Uh, Daryl, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, well, I guess uh, first-time caller. I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> pretty good about being on the show today. Oh, well, I appreciate you making the time. And... Oh, we got lots to talk about because the the USHL draft is next week. Uh, the uh, the draft for the Null is uh, I think two weeks uh, uh, from now, and uh, you're also going to tell me about the NCDC, which is a league I I know very very little about. Uh, but maybe let's start with what you do uh, and and how you work with players and players where they come from. Uh, what do you do, Daryl? Well, you know, as a family advisor, I guess it's a it's a tricky term 
Um, at the end of the day, it's really being an agent. It's really being an agent, but it's just a more of a, an NCAA friendly term. I think that's what it comes down to is being a family advisor. And that, that, that appear that that goes for all sports like basketball, football, uh, even water polo, you know, so you're a family advisor in any of those sports. So the NCAA basically, um, doesn't mind people like us. They just don't want people or sorry. They don't want student athletes to get anything for free. So, mm-hmm. Therefore, the family advisor is kind of like a lawyer and accountant, and you're put on retainer to answer questions and help people move along the process of getting to either NCAA Division One or Division Three hockey. I don't know if it matters, but where are you based? I'm in Winnipeg. Yeah, and it, and really, it doesn't matter because I imagine you represent players from both sides of the border, and and um, I don't know about internationally even. I have a kid from uh, Auckland, New Zealand. There you I go. Have, uh, Four or five guys from Eastern Europe, from uh, Romania, uh, Slovakia, uh, attracted a lot of Slovakians, uh, Hungary. Uh, we have kids from Norway with Finland, Sweden, and a, and a bunch of kids from Ukraine and Russia, too. So they're all having one goal of that aspiration of, of making it to college hockey. They hope to be in Division One, but, you know, for some of them, they have to settle on Division Three, which is still... Uh, not a bad situation. What What are some of the main questions that that the players or their family might have for you when they're talking about what we can and can't do? Well, I think that the the rules are as much as I think that they're pretty black and white. Like say, you know, like say the Edmonton Oil Kings are out going to recruit a guy, and they're going to recruit say in the 2006 age group, they're going to go recruit kid like Clark Caswell, for example, um, as one name, and you know, the, you know, the Oil Kings will say, hey. When they're, you know, when the draft comes up, do you want to play in Western Hockey League or do you want to play college? And a lot of times the kids will just say they don't know. It's right. just a, it's a it's a common question where, and I and you know it, to defend the Western Hockey League, they they also they don't force guys into signing anything. Of course, they're going to be recruiters. You know, like you look at Mike Johnston and those guys. Like those guys are high end recruiters. Like if they want a player, they're going to get that player, and they're going to get him that player away from college hockey is going to be their goal. So parents want to know what they can and can't do in the Western Hockey League or OHL or the Q. I, I honestly don't deal with a lot of people in the Far East. I mean, I mean, I call the Far East like Quebec and the Maritimes. Um, out there, they're really programmed for the Q. Mm. I mean, the people there, they don't really think about college. It's not really top of mind awareness. Uh, you know, it's not like Ontario and, and, and Western Canada where it's, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on college hockey, whereas in the Far East, there isn't. Um, but for me, I guess that a, a question people want to know is, you know, what can we do? Can we go to a Western Hockey camp? Can we go to the Vancouver Giants camp? Can we go to Brown Wheat Kings camp? And, and the answer is yes, you can. You just can't accept anything for free. It's, it's, and you can't, if you sign a CHL education agreement, I tell a lot of people that more than likely their aspirations of playing college hockey are now done. Um, of course, people like Mike Snee, as you mentioned, from College Hockey, they'll explain to you, if you did say sign an education agreement with the, with the Western Hockey League or CHL, you can still go to college hockey, but the process is really convoluted. Like, um, I'm just trying to think back to the to the Brown Weekings days of Robert McVicker and McVicks. You know, Vicks wanted to, he was playing with the Weekings, and then he wanted to go play college. Well, what happens is is you have to redshirt for a year yeah. as kind of a penalty. You have to as a penalty, and then say for example, you played. 15 games well then you have to sit out an additional 15 games so and while that's all happening is your parents are writing checks because there's more than likely no scholarship money so that's that's always an issue too is that 
you know, the, do the parents want to write those checks? And more than likely, they don't. So, I mean, it, it gets if they go and say transfer, and, and they're going to sit out for, you know, a year and a half, basically, if you're sitting on 15 games and another year, you know, that's almost a third of your college eligibility. If not more, it's gone. Yeah, and you have to also be on campus uh, during that time where you're uh, redshirting for the year. You've got to be taking classes at that school, too. That's my understanding. You can't mail it in. You know, I think some guys think they can kind of just mail it in and go to practice and they don't have to do anything. Well, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah. You've got to be going to class. All right, the USHL draft is next week, and uh, I imagine you're dealing with a lot of players who are are hoping uh, to be uh, selected by a USHL team. And I guess what's your role right now in advance of that? Are you talking to teams and trying to get them interested in your players, or how does that work? Yeah, it, it's it's really it's no different than guys working the NHL draft or the Western Hockey League draft. It's the same thing. It's you know how the USHL draft is a little different though because they have you know, they they have the first day of the draft is for players that are just born in 2005. That's their first year of eligibility to play in the league and first year of draft eligibility. Right. And so that's what they, they consider one phase. So that will, that will be on May 26th. Uh, and then May 27th will be an open draft. And here's the difference between, you know, you know, the USHL and the NHLs, they'll draft guys all the way up to 2001 for a year. So, Say, for example, they'll take from 2005 to 2001 birth years. And so those those ages are going to be wide open. So say you didn't go in the first round of the 2005 draft, there's still a chance you go in the second day. Hmm. And so I always tell guys, oh, don't be too down because the, the first phase, the 2005 draft, is a shorter draft, normally about 120 picks or in that. But then the following day, it's like the major league baseball draft. It's a long day of drafting and there's like, I don't know, there's like 20 rounds or 25 rounds. It's a long draft. And so, yeah, to answer your question, that's what I'm doing is I'm sending out videos. I'm sending out information, you know, what's the guy's marks like in school what are the parents like, you know, just normal questions. Um, you know, and that's, and that's a big thing today is too. Like a lot of these teams, a question I get a lot of time from the teams is, you know, what are the parents like, you know, they just don't want to, you know, sorry for people listening to the show, but they just don't want to deal with psycho parents. Yeah. I mean, and I don't blame them. I don't want to deal with them either. So, um, you know, so the parents that are, are normal and down to earth and, you know, on and on, like, like say, let's look in your backyard, like in Carson Susie's parents, like couldn't have been the better parents. Like, you know, they show up Minnesota Duluth games. There's a bunch of people who drive down to Duluth and they got the jerseys on and they applaud, they cheer. They don't do anything weird online. They don't yeah. complain about anything. You know, and then there he is. He's in the NHL. You know, so I, I tell people like you have to like when it comes to NCAA. I, I think they strive for four points, and number one is education. Number two is your personality and you as a person, your character. Number three is hockey, actually, and then number four is you know what's the family component like? Is the family's normal to deal with it? because that's always a big issue. Where, where, how far down the list is the things like uh, your social media presence? Because you get some players out there on Twitter and. And some guys stay completely off social media, and that's probably a smart thing for some guys because there are others who yeah. uh, sort of end their own careers by the, what they do online. Yeah, and, you know, you look at a guy like Paul Bissonnette, for example. Like, I think he extended his career by his popularity with the Coyotes online. And, you know, he, he actually – I think he added a couple of years to his career just because of his social media presence. Um, but, you know, like I put I, – social media goes into number two – with the player's personality and character. I mean, are they good people? Are, are they, you know, guys, you know, 
are not going to go drink a two, four Bud Light before the night of a game, you know, those kind of things. And, and guys that lead a fairly clean lifestyle, of course, guys got to have some fun and they got to let loose, but you know, social media, of course, is a, is a huge factor today. And, um, you know, I, I've had situations where I've had teams call me, they go, Hey, did you look at, you know, Joe Smith's Twitter today? No, I didn't. I'll just go look at it. And I look at it and go, Oh boy. Yeah. So I quick phone for parents and go, Hey, you got to get that down today. And you're right. It is a career killer. And, and you've seen it happen, you know, like last year in the situation with all the Winnipeg guys, you know, they had their, they had their issues and it wasn't necessarily social media, but it was other issues that went on with those guys. Yeah. And, you know, it was a career killer for a lot of those guys in that situation. And, you know, and, and people, I mean, and, and also, you know, there's so many good and bad things about social media, but you know, what happens to these guys is if they do something bad, of course it blows up on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, quite often with the USHL draft, one of the things I find interesting is to see how many players uh, out of the CJHL are selected by USHL teams. And then it's, all right, are those guys going to leave the BCHL or the AJHL or the MJHL to go play in the USHL? Uh, if you have a player that's playing in the AJHL and he gets picked up by a USHL club, what do you tell him? Well, this is a different year, though, because, and this, you know, like with COVID, I mean, I, I don't want to go into that topic, but. You know, if Trudeau doesn't open the border up and say you're a 20 year old playing in, I'll just say Brooks for, for the fun of it, you're a 20 year old in Brooks or you're a 20 year old in Cowichan, for example, mm-hmm. are you going to have anybody look at you this year? Like there's no, there's no way, you know, there's no way you're going to get a guy from North Dakota. You're not going to get Brad Berry to fly into Calgary quarantine for three days and then right. get have to quarantine again there's just no way you're not going to get any eyeballs on you and you know like you know guys like you know andy murray from western michigan like those guys they might be a little bit old school but they still want to be able to meet the player and see him face to face see his body language talk to him see what he's like like you can watch hockey tv and watch a lot of stuff online but you can't really you're still these, these guys still want to meet people so i guess what my point is is a concern for the 20 year olds for sure this year is, is anybody going to come see them? That That's a concern. So, you know, if they do get drafted somewhat high in the USHL, of course, how the USHL works is they have six imports out of those six imports, two must be Canadian. And so the rest would be Russian or Swedish or whatever. But so this is what I tell guys, I mean, if you kind of feel that you're maybe a third line guy, you know, in Brooks and you want to go be a first or second line guy in Fargo, you should probably consider it. Mm. I mean, and, and that's that's how I base, make those decisions when parents ask me, okay, now we're taken in the second round by the Fargo Force. What do we do? Uh, Daryl Wolski is my guest. He's a uh, player, a family advisor for uh, a CHFA as well as a 2112 hockey. Um, all right, the NOL draft uh, happens a couple of weeks from now. How is it, how is it different than the USHL draft? Well, it, well, first of all, it's a different year for the NHL now. And the NA the NA will have a supplemental draft in June because there's three new teams in the league coming in. So the supplemental draft, they're going to no different than the NHL supplemental draft. So the, the NA teams can protect players. And then on June 2nd, they'll basically be wide open. Like for whoever they don't protect, which will go to, there's a new team in Alaska this year and a new team going to Iowa and stuff. And so those teams will have a chance to pick up those players. The main draft for the NHL, which is different from USHL. They just have one draft on July 14th. So it's still basically two months away. And so in the meantime, all these NA teams are having what they call pre-draft camps. 
whether it's in St. Cloud or Minot or Bismarck or the pre-draft camp is. Um, so that's what they're doing for the next couple of months um, to lead up to their draft. And, and obviously this year with COVID, you know, the drafts are delayed. They're, these drafts are ha- happening later than they normally would, like at least a month or for the NA, six weeks later than normally would. Going by the tiers, the NAHL is kind of a, a feeder league to the USHL and that they're both trying to get players off to college hockey, but the USHL is, is higher in, uh, in status than the NAHL. Are they sharing, you know, we, we see players getting drafted by both leagues, though? Absolutely, you will. And you'll you'll see that for sure this year. Is that Because, like, say, for example, I'm going to use a guy like, say, Connor Hellebuck, for example. You know, he played in the NA as a 17-year-old. I don't think Connor Hellebuck would have played in USHL as a 17-year-old. I just think that there's a little bit more. When it comes to USHL, I think, unless you're really a superstar player, like, unless you're a really top-end player, you're playing as a 2004. Right. Um, I think with the USHL, they're going to look for more guys that are, you know, I think the USHL, they want to get guys for a couple of years. They want to have them there for their 19 and 20 year old year. Then, you know, when they're done their 20 year old season, then they move on to college, but you will for sure see players drafted in both leagues. No question. And cause you know, they're say, for example, they go try out for the Fargo force and they don't make it. Well, now their NA rights are say with Minot Minotauro. So Shane Wagner goes, awesome. I could pick up Joe Smith because he didn't make Fargo, you know, as an example. Right. All right. Well, that makes sense. Uh, you were telling me that you mentioned uh, three new teams in the NAHL this year. You, that seems like a lot of expansion there for that league. Do you, are you hearing anything USHL-wise, whether it's expansion or just new owners? Well, uh, there's a new owner. There's new ownership coming to Lincoln Stars, and that that's, I don't know if that's public yet or not, but I guess it is now. Um there's really no talk of expansion in the USHL other than, of course, there's a little bit of Twitter talk about the BCHL being the Northern division uh, for the USHL. And that's a whole new topic altogether, <laughs> but you know, what, whether that happens or not, I don't know, but I know that there was some serious talk and of course, of course with COVID, you know, having a team from Lincoln, you know, go to college and I, I just don't know how feasible that is financially. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or maybe the, the BCHL teams would just play amongst themselves and then come playoffs, they do some kind of a playoff system. I don't know. But, um, yeah, the NAHL had four teams that didn't happen last year with COVID. And so that enabled a few new teams to, to come up this year. And, you know, El Paso is one of the expansion teams. And El Paso played Tier 3 hockey in what's called the NA3HL. And they were they were just blowing people out of the park. And so it, the NA has allowed them to come up and be an expansion team in the league this year. So, you know, these teams are being very, very, very aggressive right now and trying to get people to their camps, trying to get their lists ready. And they want to be ready for the supp- supplemental draft number one and have their, and have their camps ready as well too. Cause all the NA, the NHL just finished five different combines all over the United States. So that just finished last weekend in Anaheim. And so they, they've just completely, uh, they've exhausted that. So now the next thing will be the camps and, and the supplemental draft. And the NHL, um, people can say what they want to say about the league. The numbers don't lie. And they had 275 Division One scholarships last year. And that's a huge number. And, you know, people can say, well, you know, the, the AJHL is better. And I'd say to them, the, the, the math and the numbers don't support that. Well, as part of that, in uh, would have to be consideration uh, how many teams there are in the NAHL. What is it like in the NAHL? Like, there's there's only well with next year there'll be 31 teams with the expansion teams. So of course it's like twice the amount of teams that the AJ has roughly. Yeah. Uh, 
or BCHL, but still the numbers of division one scholarships and people say, Oh, there are a bunch of them are division three scholarships and go, well, no, actually last year it's predominantly division one. And it's, you know, it doesn't take much to go look at a game sheet and they'll have like the schools that the guys have been committed to. And you'll see in the, in USHL, they say that 90% of players that play in USHL will get a scholarship. I would say that number is probably a little high. Um, there's some guys going to academically just not make it. So maybe 80% is a safe number. And, you know, what level of scholarship that person gets to? Is it 100%? Is it 75%? Is it 50%? Who knows? Um, and then the other issue, and, and then the NA, you know, you probably have a 60 or 70% chance of scholarship playing in that league. All right, Daryl, tell me about this NCDC and, and what it's all about. Who plays in it? What's the age group of it? Where do the players come from? I, I know nothing about the NCDC. Yeah, the NCDC is is kind of um, I, I would say it's the fastest growing tier two league in all of North America, and the NCDC is predominantly teams in the upper Northeast, so it's in the New England area, uh, Long Island, Boston, Philadelphia, New York, um, Connecticut areas, and what the NCDC is a thirteen team league, and there's a new new expansion team in Philadelphia, and it's actually a former BCHL guy, Troy Mix, that runs that team. So what the NCDC is, it's this is where, you know, Tier 3, Tier 2, Tier 1 hockey, junior hockey gets confusing. So the USPHL is the umbrella company for the USPHL Premier and Elite, which is Tier 3 hockey or pay-to-play hockey, right? Right. Um, and then the NCDC is Tier 2. So the NCDC just had their 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 entry draft uh, last week, you know, and so their number one pick was Joey Moffat, and he's from Portage, Manitoba, played in Cowichan this year. And then their number two pick was Sean Ramsey, also from Cowichan. So, you know, those two players are now in the process of deciding, well, hey, do I go play for the Boston Advantage or the Philadelphia Club? You know, and they're deciding about that league. And, and the league itself, you know, it's pretty strong in the scholarship department, too. Like, it's got 50 or 60 scholarships. You look at the Boston team, you know, have eight players on their team with Division One scholarships. Last year, you know, to get around the COVID adversity, I seem like I'm beating COVID to death here. But anyways, to get around the COVID issue, they they took all the teams into Tampa Bay last year uh, in January and February, and they played a, a, they played 25 or 24 games in Tampa Bay in a bubble system. And so they'd have a game on one day, game off next day, game on, and that's how they did it for roughly six or seven weeks. So pretty smart league good ownership um their website presence and social media presence isn't that great I, I, why that is i don't i don't have an answer for that but it is it is a league that's on the rise and the numbers support that too that you know with their scholarship amounts and and it's not hard to go look online and look at their rosters and see oh hey this guy's committed to to ohio state this guy's committed to north dakota this guy's committed to denver hmm. you know there's a lot of that and there's a lot of division three scholarships in that league too but you know, my point is, by this is a league that's on the rise that people have to really consider and, and educate themselves about with, too. Um, and I, when it goes to education, I know it's tough when there's, like I said, their their website isn't the greatest on the planet, and it's hard to sometimes educate yourself about this league. Man, Daryl, so much to cover, so much to digest. Uh, I'm going to have to have you back on again soon so we can uh, delve into it a lot more. Uh, but I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. No problem at all. Thank you. I appreciate the time as well. Hey, Daryl, before I let you go, maybe uh, if there are people who want to get in touch with you and they have some questions for you themselves, how do they reach you? Well, they can go to, to uh, chfahockey.com 
or they can go to the 2112hockeyagency.com, uh, either site. Uh, our 2112 hockey agency is basically for our pro players, or a lot of European players that we send and a lot of Russian players that we have go to KHL. Um, but they can go to either one of those websites, and myself or Scott Glennie or Colton Tubert be glad to help you out. Scott Glennie, Colton Tubert. There's some names from the past. Those two characters. No kidding. And I'll throw in Josh Gratton into the mix too. So, uh, so you've got a couple of heavyweights. And Scott was a lightweight, but anyways, that's another story. <laughs> Daryl, thanks for your time, man. All right, thank you. That was Daryl Wolski, who is a uh, hockey family advisor. You can find him at two places, CHFA, that's collegehockeyfamilyadvisor.com, collegehockeyfamilyadvisor.com, as well as 2112hockeyagency.com, uh, representing a lot of players. So guys headed off to college, also uh, pros that he's putting helping find places in Europe to play. Uh, lots to talk about there with uh, Daryl, and uh, I will definitely have to get him on again. Lots of different subject matters. He alluded to the, the whole BCHL uh, plan uh, where they announced, what was it, boy, six weeks ago or so, their intention to leave Hockey Canada or at least leave the CJHL. He referenced it as uh, the USHL's North Division or the Northern Conference or the Northern USHL. I wonder. I wonder how far down the uh, the path they might be with uh, their plans that just haven't been uh, publicized, but maybe maybe that is the way they go. Kind of like the way Major League Baseball used to be with the two conferences completely separate until they meet in the World Series. Maybe that's what we see with the BCHL and the USHL. Lots to talk about. Have to get Daryl on once again. I have uh, one more segment to go on this week's episode, and we are uh, getting back to the 2021 NHL draft, this time from the scouting perspective. Uh, Elite Prospects does a great job with their scouting uh, material. And uh, Mitch Brown from Elite Prospects is going to join me. We're going to talk about uh, probably about five, six players that we need to know about for the draft. A little bit about the uh, U18 and things like that. We'll do all of that next via the Troubled Monk Hotline with Mitch Brown from Elite Prospects here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Stutzler, back to Sider, across to Bach. Dominic Bach, great pass in for Stutzler, slides it back across, they score! Hello, this is Tim Stutzler from Mannheim, and this is the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove Saints AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. That's right. Now, say my name. With Gee Flaming. You're goddamn right. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show, and we are uh, heading back to the Troubled Monk Hotline in this segment. Uh, we will be uh, talking with another scout as we do throughout the season, this time from Elite Prospects, and he is the uh, Director of North American Scouting for Elite. They do a fantastic job. If you haven't signed up and become an elite member yet, you're uh, missing out on that. Uh, but uh, I'm pleased to get a chance to speak 
with uh, Mitch Brown. First time Mitch has been on the show. Mitch, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I appreciate it. And I always love you guys do such a great job. Elite Prospects is just well known in general for all the statistical database and stuff. But in the last couple of years, the uh, the coverage for Prospects has really ramped up. And, and you're a big part of that for sure when it comes to the draft stuff. And there are a lot of guys we want to chat about. First off, with the U18 this year, I want to ask your opinion about something just because every year we always are told, you know, uh, small sample sizes don't judge, you know, the World Junior Championship or the U18 just on their own because it's 10 days out of a, an entire season. This year, is it different because so many players were limited in what they could do and how many games they could play? Is there more emphasis on the U18 this year or is that dangerous to do? There's definitely more emphasis on it. For a lot of these guys who haven't played, particularly the OHLers, it's a very good way to figure out how did their tools improve, how did their skating improve, how did their shot improve. You're not necessarily evaluating the decision-making because there will be rust from coming back on the ice. So it's mostly about the tools for those guys. For the other players, it's all about evaluating the context. It gives another kind of way to frame the season that they had. For example, say Olin Zellweger, or defensive for the Everett Silvertips, I think he played 11 games with them, maybe 12, and he comes and he gets the seven at the U18s. But in the U18s, he, his game was a little bit different. And so now you can evaluate, okay, here's what he did in the WHL. Here's what he did in the U18s. Which, which weaknesses did we think he had in his game at this time versus the U18s? So in, in his case, it was he doesn't really use the inside in transition. That changed at the U18s. He had a little bit more freedom. His game seemed to be a little bit more open. And as a result, he really seemed to improve and raise his game to the next level. Interesting. All right. Well, that's what I expected was that there was going to be more emphasis on the on that tournament this week. I just wondered if it was risky to, to really emphasize it too much because it's only 10 days out of the year. But when you're limited in viewings, uh, I understand that completely. We're going to talk about three Canadian uh, team members as well as an American and uh, a Belarusian as well from the U18, plus a couple of extra players. But since we started with Zellweger, maybe we'll we'll just begin there. When you look at Olin Zellweger and the overall package, I don't think this was a guy that was high on the radar at the start of the year, but I get the sense that his stock really went up, not just in this tournament, but in that little stint with the Everett Silvertips. So what kind of impression does he make on you? Well, it's all about the skating, right? That's that's the number one thing with his game and the comparatively easier access that that skating allows for skill development and improvement. Like when you look at his skating, it's the knees pushed over toes, hip flexion and engagement, clean, full extensions in his strides and crossovers. He can separate from pretty much anyone at any level and he'll continue to do it in the NHL. At the U18s, he was a little bit more focused on using the inside, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And we saw him sort of lean away from shooting as much from the point, and he was looking to activate, beat guys, and then pass into the slot for a scoring chance. And so in doing that, you go from a guy, okay, maybe he could be a really good bottom pairing guy, to, oh, okay, this is a guy, he kills the play early in transition, he's engaged defensively, he's going to be a top skater in the NHL. Now we're looking at a guy who could be like a decent number four type guy, a top four guy, depending on who is in your team, who's on, who's in the lineup and so on. His game really has a bunch of interesting qualities to it. And then again, the skating, when you can skate like that, you handle the puck easier. You can separate from guys. You can work given goes and get up the ice and make plays. And so as he continues to develop, the ceiling on this kid is extremely high. 
Well, and a big offensive jump from last year, too. He only had 12 points in a full season, or almost full season, uh, last year with Everett. This year, 13 points in just 11 games, and then a point-per-game guy at the World U18 for Canada as well. So that offensive production really leapt forward for him. Yeah, and when you watch him play, one of the big, big things with how he's creating his offense, right, is it's not it's not just scripted stuff. There's a lot of creativity. You see a lot of problem-solving ability. He's starting to use his feet a little bit more pre-pass. So he's getting the puck in motion so when he can beat the defender to a spot. It's really projectable details that I think will scale up well. Mitch, where do you guys have him uh, for elite prospects? 31st on our most recent board that should be coming out sometime this week. All right. Spoiler alert there for uh, exclusive yep. uh, little tip there. That's great. Uh, all right. Let's continue with the Canadian guys. Uh, Logan Stankoven, uh, a player I had uh, on the show, uh, listeners heard from him uh, just a couple of segments ago. Uh, th- he's just such a nice personal kid off the ice and on the ice. Man, he's a killer offensively. Uh, tell me, I, I, any concern about the size, though? And I, I think, you know, we're starting to get past that hurdle, I think, for most people. But there are still those out there who will say, can't draft a guy who's 5'8 in the first round. But tell me why he's worth a first-round pick. Well, what he lacks in size and even skating mechanics, he makes up for in pace and motor. He brings it every single shift, nonstop. Mm-hmm. When you look at his skating... He's a little bit too upright, especially when compared to someone who's at the higher end, like Zellweger. But I'm not sure it's going to matter all that much because he's always building speed underneath the puck. He can take and make passes in motion, not breaking stride, and he always seems to know the next play in those sequences. Plus, when you look at smaller guys, you want to see how they excel off retrievals and puck battles. And he's just one of those guys who always finds a way to sneak out with the puck. When it comes to upside, I'm not quite as convinced he's a 30-goal guy in the NHL, but his motor combined with that lethal outside leg wrist shot and his improved catch and release and his improved playmaking makes him pretty much about as a complete player as you're going to find in this draft class. And It's a bit of a weaker group, and so sometimes you got to take a swing on upside, and he's definitely one of those guys. Uh, I wondered if he could be in terms of value and where he goes in the in the first round. Is he this year's Cole Caulfield? Different player. I think Caulfield might be, you know, more known for the scoring, although Stankoven certainly can do that as well. But do you think maybe he goes somewhere in the first round uh, like Caulfield did? What did he go, 15th, something like that? Yeah, I think I think the late first, early second is probably where he ends up. He doesn't quite have the same dynamic skill that uh, Caulfield or even someone like Debrinket have. Okay. So... There's just it's a, the upside there is just a little bit lower, but of course you know one of them is a 40 goal scorer and the other kid looks like he's destined to become a top six goal scorer as well. So that is certainly not a slight to Logan. All right, Mitch Brown from Elite Prospects is my guest. We're chatting about some uh, 2021 draft eligible players and uh, some of these guys were with Team Canada at the World U18 down in Texas. Uh, Brennan Othman was one of those guys, and this was an important tournament for him. He did get a chance to go overseas and, and play. Uh, a pretty good handful of games. There are 34 games overseas uh, playing against men. Uh, what did he show you at the U18? And if you had a chance to watch him in Switzerland, uh, was it reflective of what you saw there, or did he show you something different in Texas? He was one of the biggest changes, I guess, from the guys who did play this year, uh, coming at, or from the evaluation after the U18s. Not because he wasn't good in Switzerland or anything. It was because the way that he played was a lot more conducive to sort of NHL hockey at the U18s. Hmm. In Switzerland, we saw a little bit more of a of a shoot-first player. He was a little bit more selfish in transition. He was trying to beat everyone by himself. 
at the U18s, he played his role perfectly. He was winning races on pucks. He was uh, bringing, I guess, an incredible amount of violence to every single shift, which is something that, you know, people say is getting dated. But, you know, if you can play hard, heavy hockey, that's still an incredibly valuable asset, especially when you can pass like Austin can out of those out of those hits and out of those retrievals. Some of the plays that he made were seriously high-end type passes where he loses or he wins the foot race from a disadvantaged position, gets position on the guy, and then moves the puck one touch off the backhand and into the slot for a scoring chance. And that's what we like about his game so much. The ability to win those pucks, get them into the middle, and then of course he's got the killer shot, the high work rate. He can score from pretty much anywhere in the offensive zone, and he's got the timing to continue to score goals in the NHL because those distance long-range shots don't work unless you're a a Patrick Laine-level shooter. Hmm. So he has the full toolkit in the NHL to become sort of your top-nine complementary guy. You can play him on the top line, and he's going to create space for his teammates. You can play him down on the third line, and he's going to generate a fair bit of offense on his own while also creating space for those guys as well. Seems like a guy everybody has in the first round, uh, and Elite has him uh, 23rd, I believe. At least that's what it says on the website. Not sure about the uh, the new rankings that you were uh, hinting towards uh, where he'll be, but a member of the Flint Firebirds, and you were telling me there's a uh, another guy who was supposed to be with the Firebirds this year, uh, was at the U18, but we shift gears now to Dimitri Kuzman, who uh, played for Belarus, defenseman, uh, and not a big guy, listed at here uh, at 5'10 and 175-ish pounds. Um, he was supposed to be in Flint this year, too. Yeah, and it would have been, I guess anyway, a very different season had he been with Flint. Yeah. Uh, the U18s elevated his stock a ton from the conversations that I've had and also in my own head. I think at the U18s, or I think if he were in Flint, he probably would have been in second-round conversation for the majority of the season. Hmm. He's a high-skilled defenseman. He's so slippery. He moves the puck effectively. He can deep through pretty much anyone. There, obviously, there are some questions about him doing that at the next level, but you're also getting a guy who's in the rush, he leads the rush, and he can stop the rush too. And that player archetype is a very valuable one in the NHL. That might just be a number five. But in a draft class like this, if you can get a solid long-term option as a number or for your number five, that's a great second-round pick. And, of course, the flash doesn't hurt either. He scored a lacrosse goal at the U18s, and he scored two more in the top level of Belarusian hockey as well. Well, wow, so he's a, this is a bit of a flash to his game then, too. He likes to, to uh, I don't know, I want to call it a hot dog thing, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Yeah, of course. I mean, it shows the creativity, right, and the skills and the skilled mindset that he has. There's one thing to have the puck skills. It's another thing to be going out and willing to use them in high-pressure situations, and he does that. Yeah, confidence, too. And that's a that's a good thing. All right, so that was Dimitri Kuzman. Uh, let's go back to another guy that was in the U18, uh, this time with Team USA, Sean Barron's defenseman, pretty high-profile uh, member of uh, the National Development Program this year. Disappointing tournament, obviously, for the Americans, missing the podium for the first time in 16 years, and they were missing some players because of that, or the the end result was probably because they were missing some high end players. But uh, I like Barons at the tournament. What did uh, what sort of impression did he make on you? Well, he's a guy that we've had in our first round for about a month now, or a month and a half, uh, and so the U18 teams for us were a little bit kind of the opposite end. I wouldn't say they were disappointing, but we were a bit neutral on his performance there. He wasn't able to get quite as much offense going as he has 
against D1 competition in the USHL. Hmm. But I mean, ultimately, this is a hardworking and incredibly intelligent young man. And with it, you're getting one of the best playmaking defensemen in the draft class. He's probably the best at creating repeatable situations from the point. So he knows the next play before he gets the puck. He moves into space as he's getting it. And then he can connect with all sorts of these high-end passes where he's feeding it through sticks and skates. He's pulling it in and then passing, so he's not saucing a puck over sticks. And he's also a tremendous defensive player, particularly off the rush. He likes to pivot early and defend the rush skating forward where he can angle out and then throw the big hit along the boards and then quickly spin the puck back up the middle to a teammate. So for us, that's a very clearly projectable NHL skill set. There's a ton of improvement in his game. And as we saw at the U18s, he can shoot it too. It's just a matter of him reducing, I guess, the inefficiencies that exist in his game because he does have that playmaking. And a lot of these kids, when they do have that standout trait, they lean on a little bit too much. And so if he can cut down some of those bad passes and turn them into shots, we're going to see a lot more offense from him going forward. And I think personally, he's a pretty clear cut first round guy. Hmm, interesting. All right. So I was, I was just going to ask if maybe the lack of size might be a thing that slips him or drops him out of the first round, but uh, not in your opinion. All right, we'll go with that. Um, two more guys we want to chat about. Uh, another one just on the show this week, Tristan Bros, who is with the Fargo Force in the USHL. They're right in the middle of the Clark Cup, uh, game three and four this weekend back in Fargo. Uh, here's a guy, again, whose offense is uh, just jumping forward this year. Last year he had 35 points. He's up to 51 this year, including 19 goals, and he's more than a point-per-game guy in the playoffs so far. Uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation with him a lot this week. Uh, what kind of a player is he, though? I haven't had a chance to watch him play. He's he's all all upside with his with the way that he plays, the way that he handles the puck. He's so deceptive. He masks his intentions better than all but a few players in this draft class. It's just the way that he does little mohawk turns, the way that his head is always up, scanning for options, faking players out before he makes one play. Uh, he builds off the threat of a shot to pass extremely well. He'll come in, fake the shot. Everyone thinks he's shooting, then he just slices the puck between two defenders for a teammate on the weak side. He's a really impressive defensive player, too. He's engaged. He picks up teammate. He picks up opponents on the back check. Uh, he funnels the puck into support. Uh, he's pretty consistent overall in that regard. And with it, he's also an intelligent off-puck offensive player. So it's not just the way that he's working on the back check. It's the way that he's finding little pockets of space in the slot from where he can use that one-timer. And that one-timer is an absolute bomb. He can take it in all sorts of crazy positions, too. He'll be falling over. He'll have one foot behind the other, and he can't even rotate his hips, and it still explodes off of his stick. He's a little bit inefficient, but that's not a huge deal with, with, with a kid who has a skill level like this and a commitment to the defensive game and, and off-puck skills he does. For us, he's, he ends up as a bit of a late first, early second candidate. We're at the higher end of that right now. With his play in the Clark Cup and in the USHL playoffs overall, the only the only place he's going is up. Sounds a bit like a Shane Pinto type player where he ended up going early in the second round. And, you know, if you redo that draft now, he's probably a first round pick as well. Maybe we see something similar uh, for Tristan Bros. You were describing his skating there and you mentioned a mohawk cut or a mohawk turn. For the audience, and it's a term I haven't uh, heard before. How do you describe that? Sure. So... Just picture your hips opening up and your heels are pointing towards each other. So like a heel-to-heel, 10-2 is another t- term that it gets. Okay. So he basically just, instead of pushing off, 
with his toes both facing with both uh, sets of toes facing forward. One is behind him and one is in front of him. And so that posture allows you to like twist and turn your body in interesting ways. It's hard for the for defensemen to fully read it. You see someone like Kale McCarr use it a lot from the point where he does this turn to make a hard stop and then he steps back in the direction that he was coming from to fire. And it, it, can, it confuses players. It opens up a little bit more space on puck retrieval. It's one of these skills that we generally associate with higher upside guys. Interesting. All right. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Uh, last guy we're going to chat about today is Trevor Wong of the Kelowna Rockets. Uh, another really small guy, but high on the offensive upside. Again, last year, 14 points in 58 games. This year, well, he's a point-per-game guy. Only 16 games for the Rockets this season, uh, but he was uh, a big part of their success this year. Uh, again, not not big guy, but big on talent. Uh, what sort of uh, a player is this, and how do you project him uh, at the next level? Well, with the 16-game sample, the very first thing that you have to do is go back and see what he was like last year. And while he didn't score a lot, he was one of Kelowna's more consistent players, and they used him in defensive situations. They used him in energy situations. He was the guy, when things weren't clicking, they would throw him up there, and he get everyone energized and ready to go. We talk about taking a hit to make a play. This guy takes every single hit to make every play possible. He has no fear of contact. He has no disregard for his own safety. And while that can be scary at times, it also shows that this is a guy, he wants to bring the puck to the middle. He wants to bring it to the tough areas of the ice. And when you combine that with his puck skills, the way that he handles the puck, his pace of operation, the speed, it's easy to see how he's going to continue to do it at higher levels. With him, it's all about leveraging those those attributes, that mindset into a bigger offensive impact than he has currently because he does have the skills to be one of the WHL's top scorers. He just needs to be he just needs to manage the puck a little bit better and stop throwing the puck away, I guess, to the other team as much and start scanning before he makes these plays. And if he can do that, I have no doubt that he's going to be an effective long term top nine forward in the NHL. Well, no stranger to putting up big numbers. His draft year he had hundred and forty one points in thirty games playing for St. George's uh, and I know he was supposed to be going to Denver at that point, but Kelowna drafts him closer to home for him, I guess, and uh, ends up going to the Rockets. Good fit uh, for them, for sure. Uh, Mitch, this was terrific. Uh, if people want to see the top 32 or even beyond that, how do they get their hands on uh, what you guys do at Elite? You can go to eprinkside.com and check out our ranking, or alternatively, go to eliteprospects.com, go to the draft center, and then click on the eliteprospects.com ranking. We also have a collection of other rankings there for you to enjoy and critique. Mitch, I really appreciate your time, man. This was fantastic. I hope you don't mind if I call you again before the draft. Yeah, please do. I really appreciate it. This has been kind of a dream come true. I listen to this show all the time, especially when I was first getting into the sport. So this is, this is just awesome. Oh, Mitch, I'm, I'm blushing now, man. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Well, that was a nice compliment, and I don't hear uh, that all the time. I appreciate that. Uh, Mitch Brown from Elite Prospects and EP Rinkside, and uh, they do a terrific job. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to look, go to EliteProspects.com. You can pull up, as uh, Mitch said at the end there, go to the Draft Center. and it, uh, they, they actually do a great job. They You know, you click on a player. Let's say it's Logan Stankoven. You can go to his profile page, and it uh, shows where he's ranked on various rankings. And at EP Rinkside, they have lots of features on players and stuff. Uh, it's a great resource for sure if you are a fan of prospect hockey. And uh, Mitch will definitely be on my callback uh, list 
and not just because he paid me such a big compliment. We chat a little bit afterwards uh, as well, and uh, he, he said that he's been a long-time listener to the show, which is which is great. Mitch was the final guest this week, so it's time to clean things up uh, for this week's episode, and that brings me to uh, the topic of bidets again. Get out there, get yourself a bidet from hellotushy.com slash pipeline. You get an automatic 10% off, uh, and if you haven't had a chance to try that bidet yet, uh, you're not going to regret it if you do. Stop wiping, start washing. It's better for you, and it's better for the environment. Go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline. And let me know what you think once you've uh, got it sent to you and you've got it installed and uh, and you're using it, because um, I know you're going to appreciate it. Next week on the Pipeline Show, we'll be uh, chatting more players for the upcoming 2021 draft. Maybe we'll get another scout on as well. The uh, playoffs in the queue uh, and the USHL. Hey, they might even be over in the USHL. We'll find out what's uh, the, the status of uh, the playoffs in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League as well. And we're getting to that point. If there are players in particular that you want me to get on the show, please let me know. Those of you who are patrons, you certainly have that opportunity. I give you a heads up on uh, who the guests will be each week. And uh, you can fire off questions for the guests and uh, also request upcoming guests as well. That's at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. And uh, this week there's been a flurry of new patrons. So I want to welcome on board Anne, James, Elizabeth, Robert. All just coming up on board here in the last couple of days. I really appreciate that. Joe and Dylan were uh, a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic support. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you're enjoying uh, things like early access uh, to all the interviews that uh, are that appear here on a full episode of the Pipeline Show. Well, patrons have had access to these uh, interviews uh, for a day, two, sometimes three or four days. That's just part of being a patron. Wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show from, whether it's uh, iTunes or Spotify or the Podbean, wherever it is, if you have the ability to leave a rating and or a comment, that would be great as well. Uh, because what you say might encourage other listeners uh, who maybe just stumble across the show, have never heard of it before, wondering what the heck is the Pipeline Show? What is it, oil? Um, what you say might lead to them uh, giving the show a try. Maybe it will become their favorite new podcast and it will be all because of you. If you can leave a rating or a comment, I'd really appreciate it. All right, that's it for me. Until next week, everybody, take care of each other, and we will chat with you next week here on the Pipeline Show, which is fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in all of Alberta. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya.